Welcome to Health Affairs This Week. I'm Rob Lott. And I'm Leslie Erdelak. And uh, you are listening to the first episode of Health Affairs This Week of 2021. Welcome. Um, We are recording this on Thursday, January 7th, um, just about 24 hours after uh, chaos ensued at uh, the United States Congress. Um, A a mob reached the the walls of the Capitol building and it went down. A pretty scary, scary time for our nation. Leslie, how are you doing? Yeah, Rob, it's it's good to catch up with you. And I know it's been a difficult week, to say the least, and to try to put into words what we witnessed happening at the Capitol was shocking. And um, I was sitting at home under a curfew this week thinking about how we'd start this conversation, what I'd share. You know, I thought about how we'd probably be talking about what we did over the holidays. And I thought about the tone I wanted to set on our first podcast of the year because it seemed so, you know, strangely symbolic to me and the kind of energy that I wanted to bring to it. But the truth is, it's been an ugly and turbulent week. And I want to acknowledge that because I think there's a rawness and a realness to people's emotions right now. And it's an unsettling moment that we're in. There's always a lot of anticipation and anxiety sometimes in that period leading up to Inauguration Day. But this is different. So that's kind of where I'm at. There were some things that happened this week that made me feel more hopeful, and we'll talk about that. But I think there's a lot of healing that needs to happen in the year ahead. What about you? Yeah, it's it's been tough. I think I shared, I used to work on the Hill from 2005 to 2010. I have very fond memories of the experience. I um, worked in both the Senate and the House, and I was there for transition in power in Congress, as well as a transition in administrations. And I think it's sort of an old trope to say that things used to be so civil in Congress way back when, but I can tell you even 15 years ago, things were pretty frosty and every day did feel like a battle, maybe a figurative battle. and. Uh, so maybe some of this is an inevitable progression from those days, but I never, never imagined um, there would be a physical battle in the halls of Congress, which is just such a special and important place. So I really, really hope that we will see some changes and hopefully make sure something like this never happens again. Right. And I, I mentioned some developments from this week that might give people hope. And, you know, I really do want to give people permission to sort of cling to those bright spots. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, like I know I am. And um, for one, you know, I just keep thinking about how you had a lot of people who came out and voted for the very first time in the Georgia Senate runoff races. And we got the results of that election. And you know, we can talk about what that means going forward. And late last night, we did ultimately succeed in certifying the Electoral College votes. And I I think those are obviously the big stories of the week. And I'm sure, you know, as I just said, we'll be talking about 
the possibilities and what it means for health policy now that Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the White House. But uh, there was another headline, you know, just getting into the topic that we wanted to talk about for today. There was another headline that got a lot of attention this week that I'm going to use um, as a springboard into what we're covering today. So I don't know if you if you got a chance to listen, but there was an interview that surfaced with the CEO of Whole Foods, John Mackey. He was on the Freakonomics radio podcast, and during an interview that aired in November, he made a comment that drew some criticism first on social media before it sort of made its way into the more mainstream news outlets. And on the podcast, you know, ironically, they're doing this segment about how people tend to get a lot more attention for the things they do that are perceived as mistakes. And Mackey's talking about some of the things he's said in the past that maybe he wishes he hadn't said or that he wishes he'd said more tactfully. And they get onto the topic of healthcare and what's wrong with our healthcare system and specifically that it's tied to people's employment in this country. And the quote from his interview that got picked up was Mackey suggesting that the best solution is to not need healthcare. I'm glad you raised this and I think it's useful to think about this because his statement and the reaction to it sort of crystallizes what I think is sort of a common error in, in logic that we've seen again and again, and maybe more so in, in recent years, because he's basically talking about changing the way people eat, their lifestyle, their diet, as a means to living longer and better and, and really relying less on the healthcare system. He also said, um, quote, a bunch of drugs is not going to solve the problem. Now, this is really just another way of highlighting the social determinants of health and elevating prevention and suggesting um, maybe even that we haven't invested enough in public health over the years. And I, the, I mean, I have no argument with any of that. I think if someone asked me to summarize the last 10 years of research published in health affairs while standing on one foot, I don't think I could uh, do much better than that. But the problem, I think, is that he's citing this very sensible concept as a solution to a very different problem, which is that millions of Americans are uninsured and can't afford health care when they really need it. Um, and so just because we realize and we're, we've the, this realization, I think, has grown uh, over the last few years that non-medical factors are a crucial um, element and that healthcare alone is not going to make us healthier. Just because we realize that doesn't mean that people still don't need healthcare when they get really sick. Yeah, so I sort of felt like he's doing this mea culpa and he's trying, I think, to show how he's become more self-aware and he just gets this backlash for being um, you know, a, a millionaire who's giving people advice that feels really out of touch um, with reality. And I understand sort of the problematic thinking at the heart of those comments that people were so upset about. And so I'm not leaping to his defense, but from the reporting and from that soundbite alone, you don't really appreciate the broader discussion that we're having about the need to fix the problem that is our healthcare system. And asked on the podcast what he would do, Mackey said he'd actually set up a commission to study what makes 
some of the world's best healthcare systems work in places like Singapore and Switzerland, for example. So it's a question we hear that gets asked over and over again, and that is, how do we fix healthcare? Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't uh, answered that question already, right? Um, we've been working on it for uh, for so long, you'd think we'd have figured it out. But um, uh, really, uh, this is the fundamental question, and uh, we will be talking about it um, for years to come still. It is a coincidence, but it, it's, it's perhaps relevant that the same week the uh, organization Haven, uh, which was uh, a partnership between Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and JP Morgan Chase, with really the CEOs of those organizations as the real face of this partnership, established three years ago with the goal of transforming healthcare coverage, just recently announced that they were calling it quits. Uh, the idea uh, was that they were going to use the leverage of their combined 1 million plus employees to force changes. It seems like they failed and uh, sort of pulled the plug on their organization. And there have been plenty of postmortems already since that announcement about kind of why, why it didn't work. And some have pointed to a sort of talent drain uh, from the organization. Some have pointed to the logistical obstacles of coordinating across corporate boundaries between these three major mega corporations. Some have talked about the fact that even though they have such a large employee base, they still didn't have sufficient market power in any individual market to uh, to sort of force change. But I think the, the bigger issue, whatever the cause of Haven's demise, uh, is that it underlines the fact that big ideas alone or uh, the myth of singular charismatic leaders fixing our healthcare system just doesn't jibe with how change really happens in healthcare. Yeah, but I think a lot of people obviously had high expectations for Haven and, you know, why why wouldn't you? And you, you kind of get at this, but, you know, these companies have been so capable of bringing about innovation and you know they have all the leverage conceivably um, on the planet let's just assume for the moment that we're going to be working with our current system of healthcare, at least for now in the absence of some alternative plan like a public option or medicare for all and you know while we don't pretend to know all the secret ingredients for fixing healthcare. There were some developments, including some coverage-related provisions in the Consolidated Appropriations Act that was signed into law at the end of December. And I think we're more likely to see change in some incremental ways. And I want to um, acknowledge Katie Keith, who writes for the Health Affairs blog. She has a new piece on our site that came out on Monday that breaks down several components of the bill. And one that's been getting a lot of attention has to do with the No Surprises Act, which was adopted by Congress as part of that big omnibus spending bill. And what it does is lays out a framework to get rid of most forms of surprise billing or situations where insured patients get huge bills for out-of-network emergency care or for care provided by out-of-network doctors who are practicing at hospitals that might be in-network. Um, this is a way of protecting consumers from 
really expensive and sometimes catastrophic medical bills that arise from situations where people can't control how they get to the hospital um, or who takes care of them. So people get surprise medical bills every day for charges that they think are covered by insurance, but they're not. So um, this act would generally limit a patient's out-of-pocket costs to what they might've been had those services been provided in network and the new surprise medical bill protections apply to group health plans and they'll go into effect in 2022. Yeah, I think uh, for quite a while, surprise medical bills have sort of been this great example of what's broken in our health system and how it leaves people behind and how there is this sort of thread of injustice running through the way the system works. And so passing legislation, it took quite a while, despite everyone agreeing that surprise medical bills are, are uh, a terrible thing, it still took um, you know quite a while to, to, to pass a fix for it. And I think this is a first step. There um, are a number of things that are going to be worked out by regulators still to come, including the arbitration process that they use. Um, this legislation doesn't use a sort of more rigid price fixing or benchmark payment standard, which was sort of what we saw the insurers favoring, but it does rely on the sort of voluntary negotiation and the, um, the regulators are going to need to put in place a process to make that happen. And there's an article we just published again just this month from Ben Chartok and colleagues about New Jersey's arbitration system. And, you know, it's interesting. They say, you know, this is precisely where that policy debate over surprise bills at both the federal level and the state level um, tends to just get really messy and tends to break down between um, between two parties. Some who are favoring, you know, arbitration as sort of a dispute resolution, and others who are more interested in in payments tied to um, that set standard. And I don't think we need to be introducing more um, administrative obstacles <laughs> to our healthcare system. I think that's one guaranteed way to not fix it. Um, and while patient advocacy groups, for the most part, were pretty pleased with the outcome, um, I'm hearing that hospitals and providers are a little bit more wary about how it's going to affect them and affect sort of their business practices. Um, um, but the bottom line, as you said, I think, is that these protections are long overdue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially, especially now um, during COVID, where patients uh, may be uh, getting those surprise bills at a time when they can least least afford them. I do also just um, lastly just want to mention that the the major appropriations. Um, bill that we're talking about that included the surprise billing legislation also included a number of other um, uh, long overdue elements, including some steps to improve um, transparency of underlying healthcare costs, um, including tools to allow consumers do some price comparison, um, tools to help states support and set up uh, all payer claims databases, uh, and efforts to improve the accuracy of um, provider uh, and network 
directories. So lots of uh, changes that seem relatively small, but have the potential to make a difference in people's lives, hopefully. Yeah, and I, I don't think we came anywhere close to fixing healthcare in 15 minutes, Rob, but we gave it a shot. And um, I think- Do I get to be a CEO now? Is that <laughs> how it works? <laughs> But I think, you know, in just bringing this segment to a close, I think, um, you know, it's clear that there are lots of options on the table. Things like Haven, you know, might not have lived up to the hype. Um, but there are so many other potential ways we could start to incrementally change the healthcare landscape in this country. Yeah, and now that we are um, going forward with a new Congress and um, a shift in control of the Senate, I think it's tempting to say there's going to be radical change. I think in reality, um, it will be much slower, but I am hopeful that um, both uh, from a legislative standpoint, as well as potentially uh, administrative or regulatory steps, there's going to be um, some more change and plenty of us, uh, plenty of things for us to cover at Health Affairs. And so it's going to be an interesting uh, year uh, ahead for us. And I'm, I am looking forward to it. Great. Well, until next time, take care, stay tuned, stay well, and we'll see you next week. See you then.